Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I am Dean Bowen, and you still live, if you live in America, you still live in the freest country on the planet. It is true. There is not a country freer than the United States of America. Not a country freer than the country you live in. The next segment, we are going to speak to Kevin Bowden, and he's going to he's going to address this. He's going to address our freedom. Kevin is the he's the lead attorney for the uh, Romica family. We have followed this family and and their case. This is the family that fled Germany because they wanted to homeschool their kids. And Germany, you know, they wouldn't let them do it. Germany said, "Okay, you can homeschool." Uh, but we're going to fine you. We're going to fine you thousands of dollars. Actually, they didn't say that. They didn't say you can homeschool. They said, look, you do what we want you to do, or we're going to fine you. And they did. And they proceeded to fine and fine and fine. And then they threatened. You know what? We're, we're going to stop fining. We're just going to come take your kids. And we're going to forcefully put them in the public school of our choice. Mm. And, uh, you know, he will explain, Kevin will explain that Germany is an ally of ours and it makes them look bad. It may very well make them look bad when, when we take their, one of their families and we say, Hey, you can homeschool here. He's going to dive into the, uh, the situation with the Romica family. And that is going to be, uh, just an interesting conversation that I know you are looking forward to it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, United States, contrary to what you see happening in the news, contrary to what people will tell you, contrary to the fact that the Marxist progressive leftists would love to take this country over, we still remain the best and freest on the planet. We still remain the freest Oh, I could just repeat that all day long. However, we can't just sit back on our laurels. We've got to keep our head on a swivel. We have to keep speaking our values. We are free because of our values. We are free. I'm going to be more specific. We are free because of Judeo-Christian values. That's why we're free. That's that. That's why we can do the things that, that we do because of Judeo-Christian values. You know, Washington said it, uh, people that, that are engaging in self-government, uh, the best way to do that is through religion and morality, because you have a benchmark, and it's those Judeo-Christian values that have provided the moral benchmark, that have provided uh, the values of, of a religion that believes in the golden rule. A religion, all religions believe in the golden rule. Do they? Do they? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And do they? Uh, the first law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, do they? Um, you know, we could uh, we could have fun debating about it all day long. But in my opinion, it is uh, the values from Judeo 
Christian biblical teachings that have offered this country all of the freedoms that we so enjoy. Did you hear the clip uh, over the weekend of Bill Maher? Did you hear what, what Bill Maher had to say in terms of values and in terms of of the things that the left values? Did you see this? You know what? Do we have time? Let's pause for a second here. Um, and let's take a listen to what to what Bill Maher has to say about this. I think you're going to enjoy it. Because it's just amazing to me that the American left, so much of it, throws their lot in with people whose values, yeah. I, I hope they don't share, but let's go through them. Because values and customs make a difference, okay? And the people of Gaza, who, by the way, if the Israelis did get rid of Hamas, they'd be doing a giant favor yes. to the people of Gaza who hate Hamas too. But uh, let's just go through the lists. Because the Israelis look like us in most ways, values-wise. Maybe we're not doing it the right way. I don't know. Religious tolerance. That doesn't exist in Gaza. You're either Muslim or an infidel, and you better be a Muslim. Female freedom. Free and fair elections. Free speech. Gay rights. I see these queers for Palestine. Did you hear their sister banners. organization, Blacks for the KKK? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... By the way, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gay man. I've lived in Berlin. This is a level of masochism that even I cannot comprehend. Right. <laughs> I mean... You know what? I'm going to get... Uh, uh, can I just finish my list of pedophilia? I'll put that under don't ask. <laughs> Child brides and so forth. Equality of the sexes. The, the fact that, you know, these people think that this is where they should be aligned with, that these are the values that you support. So is Bill Maher a Democrat? I mean, didn't we, uh, uh, or has he jumped ranks? I mean, has, has he flipped to the other side of the aisle? He's not conservative, is he? I mean, he's still a Democrat, right? Is he still a, a Democrat voice? If he is, he might be the only coherent Democrat voice out there, at least in media. Let me put it that way, at least in media. I mean, all of media, mainstream anyway, is is or lamestream, as we like to call it. I mean, they're all Democrat. Bill Maher is not pulling any punches here. It's just amazing to me, he says, that the American left, so much of it, throws their lot in with people whose values I hope they don't share. The problem is, Bill, their values that they do share. This is the American left. This is the American Marxist progressive left, and they share the values of Hamas. Dean, did you just say the American left are, are terrorists? Well, okay, which, which, which congressional members right now, from which party are, are there congressional members that are marching in the streets with Palestinian flags? I'll wait for the answer. It's the Democrat Party. I don't, I don't know. There's six, seven, eight of them that have, that have said, yes, you know, Palestine, yay, rah, rah, go team. Um, you know, if you have... If you have one of them, uh, yeah, this is very he's this is very much the American left. And while you know, you know, Bill Maher is saying uh, 
I, I hope that they don't share their values, um, but they do. He says, values and customs make a difference. Values make a difference. That is, That might be the most important statement Bill Maher has made all week, maybe all month, maybe all year. Values make a difference. And what you value makes a difference. Democrat Party, what you value makes a difference. And it appears to the world that you are throwing your support behind terrorists. It does. That's, that's what it looks like. It would appear to the world that you are throwing your support. Am, am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. He goes through the list. Um, he says, let's go through the list. Because Israelis look like us in most ways, value-wise. Religious tolerance. That doesn't exist in Gaza, he says. You know, it, it doesn't, but that's what that's what we want. We want religious tolerance. And right now, there is no religious tolerance. It, there's, there's religious intolerance. But you have to be tolerant of, of everything else. You have to be tolerant of every evil idea that the left puts forth. You've got to be tolerant of it. If you're not tolerant of it, you're a bigot. You're a racist. You're a sexist. You're a homophobe. You're fill in the blank. But you are not allowed to be tolerant of religion. You can't be a religious tolerant. If you're a religious tolerant, then you are a tyrant. How dare you tolerate religion? You're one of those extreme right wingers. That's what you are. If you tolerate religion, you're an extremist. How dare you? You can only tolerate the things that we say you can tolerate. Uh, and re religious tolerance is not among them. And Bill Maher points out it does not exist in Gaza. He says either you're either a Muslim or an infidel, and you'd better be a Muslim. Apparently, you'd better be a Muslim. Female freedom. Do they tolerate female freedom over there? Hmm? Does Hamas promote and or tolerate female freedom? You know, the left doesn't either. Oh, they say they do. You know, but they are absolutely destroying femininity. They are destroying it. I mean, they just praise the, the this whole idea and this whole notion of male athletes competing in women's sports because the male says, I'm a woman. You know, they're all about the the males entering the, the beauty pageants and winning. Did you see that, you know, last week? I don't know what country it was from. What country uh, the... The, the the winning contestant in the beauty pageant, you know, whatever. I wish I could remember the country. Anyway, it's a man. It's a man. I mean, he's a pretty man, you know, but he's a man nonetheless. Um, you know, I, do you want to be a pretty man? I, I mean, I don't. I mean, we just want to be men. Why, why can't we be men and let the women be the women? But, you know, the left, uh-uh. They want the men to be women. And they want to destroy femininity. Yeah, yeah. Female freedom? Mm -mm, it doesn't exist. Female destruction? Yeah, that's what we want. That's absolutely what we want. Free speech? I mean, that's that's on his list. 
Does that exist? Oh, the left would love for free speech to be destroyed. That's exactly the, the what, what they value, the destruction of free speech. I mean, unless it's what they want you to say. They believe that you can speak freely as long as it's what they want you to say. Free and fair elections? Oh, no. That's on his list. If, if, if there are free and fair elections, the left won't win. Dean, do you say they cheat? Absolutely. Of course they're, they're mm. yeah, if there's free and fair elections, uh, the, the left are not going to win. And they know the only way they can win is if they cheat at the ballot box. <laughs> I said it. Gay rights, that's on his list. I see these queers for Palestine, he said. And then his guest, he has a guest. The guest is James Kerchick. And the guest interjects and says, did you hear their sister organization, Blacks for the KKK? I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Queers for Palestine. They will launch you off the roof. Uh, there is no, um, there, there is none of that there. And then he lists, you know, pedophilia, child brides, equality of the sect, you know, none of that. You know, his point is, at the beginning, it's just amazing to me that the American left throws their lot in with people whose values I, values I hope they don't share. And then he ends this, this little bit here in the clip with the statement, the fact that these people think that this is where they should be aligned with, these are the values that you support? He's asking this question rhetorically. Really? These are your values? This is, you're going to align yourself with Hamas? You're in support of, of, of these values. Look, it's our values, ladies and gentlemen, that, that have made us and continue to make us the freest country on the planet. His statement, values and customs make a difference, is spot on. Values absolutely make a difference. Um. And we have to continue to to speak and promote and talk about our values. We, uh, I feel like I am, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm on repeat with this statement. We've been talking about it for days. How can we best speak our values? How can we best promote our values? How can we get out there and and talk about the things that we care about, but the, the but the things that matter. I mean, not I mean we. You know, some of us care about football. We want to talk about the NFL or some of us care about, you know, other sports. And we might get out there and want to talk about our favorite sports team or, you know, we might want to talk about our, our favorite TV show or our favorite movie or, you know, our favorite food. And those are, you know, good things to talk about. But we need to talk about the things that matter because the, the bottom line here is, you know, last night's football game doesn't really matter. Um, you know, your favorite TV show doesn't really matter. I mean, let's talk about the things that matter. Thanksgiving's just around the corner. I challenge you at the Thanksgiving table, talk about things that matter. Dean, we can't talk about politics or religion. Those are the rules. Fine. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Talk about the things that matter. Talk about the things you value. Talk about things that that bring life you know talk about the pursuit of happiness life liberty and the pursuit of happiness 
you know, those are not political. Those are unalienable rights. You know, people have taken topics and they've taken ideas and they've twisted them to become political. When in fact, they're just our values. You know, life, it's it's a value. Abortion, you can't talk about it. It's political. It's not political. It's a value. Life is a value. And there are there are times where we've got to speak about this. You know, we are the freest country on the planet because of our values, and we have to continually talk about our values. We have to continually promote it. We have to speak about it. It is the way that we take back the narrative, that that, that we talk about the things that we value. We don't just, you know, complain and bemoan and, and cry about the horrible things that are happening. Or this college campus, they did this and they said this, and they're saying this over here on, on Twitter and Instagram, and they're talking about this over here, and they're saying this about us. Who cares? Let's just speak our values. Yes, we're upset about the gender unicorn, uh, and, and rightfully we should be. Be upset about the gender unicorn, but after you've you know you've voiced your frustration, then speak your values, declare what you want instead of the gender unicorn. All right, let's let's pause here. We're about to go into a break. On the other side of the break, we are going to interview Kevin Bowden, and this is a conversation I know that you are going to love. Uh, he is the attorney for the Ramica family, and we have followed their their case, and so. Uh, let's pause for this break and we will pick up our conversation with Kevin on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. 
Welcome back to the Dean's List. I am Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're happy to have you on board today. We are joined next by Kevin Bowden, and he is with the HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And he uh, was and is uh, the attorney that's helping the Romica family uh, with their case and with their cause. Uh, Kevin, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us today. Dean, thanks so much for having me. I look forward to it. You're welcome. So I guess right off the top at the get-go, can you tell us how did the family get to this point? Well, it, it you know, it's been 15 years, uh, really 17 years, if you go back all the way to their time in Germany. But, you know, they got to this point very simply, you know, at the outset, because they came to a conviction in 2006, as as thousands of families have in the United States, that they wanted to home, homeschool their children. And they made that decision. They knew that it was in violation of the compulsory attendance law in Germany. And so they did that in 2006. They got hit with almost immediate fines with their children being taken to school under armed escort by the Polizei. And that continued for about two years until they finally decided to make the transition to the United States. So that's the very, that's the very short, you know, overview of the beginning. So they get to the United States and then, uh, you know, how does that process work in terms of them being able to stay versus leaving? Sure. Yeah. So when they came in 2008, they arrived under a visa waiver program. You know, they're, you know, Germany's an ally. They came, they had 90 days just to stay, you know, without a visa. And within that 90 day window, they applied for asylum uh, for, for a couple of reasons. And so we helped them with that process. We worked with an immigration attorney out of Texas and originally it was successful. I mean, they were granted asylum in 2010 by Judge Berman out of the uh, Memphis court. And uh, we were very excited about that. Unfortunately, the Obama administration appealed that decision to the Board of Immigration Appeals. And in 2010, that's when a a judge in in 2010 uh, in May overturned the decision of the trial court and ordered the entire family's removal from the United States back to Germany. Um, What was the uh, I don't don't know if if you can speak to this, but what was the defense and and the defense isn't the the right word. The the Obama administration in wanting this decision overpealed, what was their position? I mean, why would they want that? Well, I mean, it's unknown why they wanted it. You know, we we had heard some, you know, anecdotal uh reasons that there was some pressure potentially from the German government. Uh, as you know, as you can imagine, you know, Germany's a Western democracy. They're a friend of the United States. We're allies with them. And I've lived in Germany for years and love the people, love the country. And so for a family to be granted asylum on the base that they're persecuted in Germany because they want to homeschool, you can imagine that's not just a legal issue, but that's very much a political issue. Okay. And so relations between the two countries, again, do we have a document that says, you know, this is the reason for it? But suffice it to say that we think there were some political reasons that the Obama administration said, you know what, uh, we're going to appeal this, um, uh, you know, appeal this decision and uh, and then see what happens. And of course, they, they won on appeal. So, OK, so um, I guess I will uh, let me come back to that, um, the politics of that. Can you talk us through the process that you've gone through the past couple of weeks in getting this one-year extension? Yeah, absolutely. So let me go back to 2012. So in 2012, when they were ordered removed in May, the next month in June, they were put under what's called an order of supervision. 
And that's for any family who has been ordered removed, but uh, and is basically pending removal. So for the last, you know, 13 years or, you know, really 11 years, they have been under this order of supervision. And we were told, you know, by some officials back in, back in the day that um, they were going to be kind of indefinitely deferred. They weren't actually going to execute the removal order uh, that had been put in place. And so they, they would be safe, if you will, not from a legal perspective, but just from a kind of a practical perspective from the government. And so they had done that for, for many, many years. And for some reason, you know, in September, when they went in for their annual visit with ICE, they were told to come back to bring their passports and to begin the process of self-deportation. Uh, we don't know why. You know, I actually did talk with uh, with the leader of the Knoxville uh, ICE office there. You know, really what we were told was just, you know, policies change, procedures change, reasons change, administrations change. We didn't get a solid answer on why what had been the practice for the last, you know, over a decade suddenly was not the case. So we went into, uh, you know, as, as you may have noticed, we went into, you know, kind of full throttle, you know, tell folks what's going on. We talked to members of Congress. We reached out to, you know, politicians that we're in touch with. You know, as, as I said, I reached out to ICE and we just did everything that we could to demonstrate really what an incredible family this is and what a what we think a tragedy would be to take this family that has been incredible contributors to their communities. I mean, they've built a life here. They got two U.S. citizen children. They've been here 15 years. And, you know, to send them back to Germany where they don't know folks, their kids don't, you know, their younger kids don't speak German, um, you know, it would just be really a tragedy. So anyways, we went into kind of hyperdrive to, to do whatever we can to help. Well, the, the family is very blessed to have you and the organization in their corner. And um, I want to speak to that in a minute. But, you know, back to this where you said, you know, for some reason, and you and you really weren't getting any specific answers as to why all of a sudden they're told to leave. Does your gut tell you that it's it's political? You know, I don't know that it, I don't know that it's political. You know, when when you talk to the that you know the the workers at the individual offices, you know, they report to the field office who's going to get their orders and direction from you know maybe headquarters ICE enforcement enforcement and removal operations. Um, I mean, you know, many you know as you probably know, Dean, many have commented on you know what's the what's the rationale behind this? Is there something a little bit more nefarious going on? Um, I, I don't really know. What, what I do know is this is a wonderful family. It's a family that I would welcome to live next door to me. I would yeah. welcome them into my neighborhood. And so when I meet a family like that and I look back on the history of our country and I think this is the type of family that built our country, mm -hmm. a family that sought right. religious freedom. I mean, this the, the, this type of family is the reason that this country was you know started you know at the outset. And so to not allow them in and to find a haven for religious freedom, in this country is just to me is just is, is just very you know untenable given the history of this very nation so untenable is an excellent word especially when you juxtapose what's happening you know on the southern border yeah you know it's 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 very interesting when you when you compare the, and contrast the two uh it, it does become you know that i think that's a big reason why people do ask the political question mm -hmm. you know, why are we why are we deporting a very, very strong Christian faith-filled family who's built roots here and potentially, you might say, turning a blind eye 
to thousands and thousands of others. And so I'll leave others to speculate. You know, I, I don't know those families, but I do know the Ramica family and I do know mm-hmm. that they're wonderful. And I do know that they have been great. Um, you know, we'll call them non-citizens or aliens in the country. So. Okay. Well, you uh, mentioned that you had reached out to members of Congress. What can you tell us about H.R. 5423? Yeah, so H.R. 52 is a private bill that was put in by Representative Harshberger almost immediately after they found out you found out about this case. They have been uh, them and their staff have just been wonderful advocates for the Ramica family. Of course, the Ramicas live in their district, so it makes sense. But basically, it's a it's a private bill which is a little bit unique. I won't get into too much of the nitty gritty, but it would allow the the family, th- those members of the family that are subject to the removal order. So the five children who are now adults and, uh, and, and then the two parents to grant them uh, permanent residency in the United States and give them a path towards citizenship. So that's what that bill would do. And uh, well, we all we all we all know the state of the house right now. So things are things are challenging and getting stuff moving in the house. Um, but we're continuing to put pressure. It's with the House Judiciary Committee. Um, Representative Jordan runs that committee, and he's been, you know, front and center for other reasons um, with the speakership. But, uh, sure. you know, we're continuing to try to push for a long-term solution for the family, and this is a part of that uh, hopeful solution. Okay. I like it. Um, how can we help the family? How can our audience uh, support the cause? Well, you know, we'll see what happens with the bill. So there's a couple of things that we that we would like to see. We need a corresponding Senate bill uh, that ma- essentially matches HR five four two three. So we've gotten you know some some support, some indication from some senators that they'd be interested in this bill. You know, but as you know, with politics, it's one thing to have a senator be interested; it's another thing to actually have them sponsor legislation. So sure. that's what we need as a senator um, to do that. You know, Senator Blackburn wrote a letter. On behalf of the Ramaikas, which was probably helpful in the in the one year stay that was granted, Senator Haggerty's office has visited the Ramaika family, um, and so one of them would be wonderful to sponsor a bill. And so, you know, we have our site, you know, hslda.org/ramaika is where we kind of have a one stop shop for everything that's going on. And what we're asking folks to do is just continue to stay engaged, continue to pay attention, and because there will be a time, for, you know, for example, when the bill comes up and it's actually heard in committee. And at that point, we'd like folks to reach out to to demonstrate support for the family as it goes through that legislative process. Um, you know, we had our petition, which we presented to Congress, which we think was helpful um, in the one year stay. And, uh, you know, if you have praying, uh, you know, what the Ramaikas would ask to you, if you have a praying audience, they would simply ask um, ask people to pray. Hanalore in particular is very uh, is a very faith filled individual. And so they both trust that the Lord will provide a solution for them. And he's provided a solution for them, uh, at least in the one-year term. And uh, they remain hopeful that he will provide something long-term. Sure. Well, we do as well. So the website that Kevin gave us is hslda.org slash Ramica. And that is spelled R-O-M-E-I-K-E. That's correct. Okay. Romike. That's it. Yep. Romike. All right. Uh, so you can hit that website for more information and to to follow the family and follow the cause. Uh, Kevin, my uh, my final question: we, uh, we we may have some new listeners that um, maybe are interested in in homeschooling, and they don't know a whole lot about the operation or how they should go about it. What does HSLDA provide for families that? 
that want to break away from the from the public system and just educate their kids on their own? Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, I mean, I love this organization and and what we provide. Our our mission is to make homeschooling possible. And so there's let me highlight just a couple of ways that we do that. The first thing that we do, of course, is we provide legal support. So we have a team of six to seven attorneys and any of our members can reach out to our legal team at any time with any question. It can be as simple as, hey, I'm moving to Florida. Uh, How do I homeschool in Florida? Or I'm moving to Nebraska. What's the requirements in Nebraska? Or it could be, you know, I've withdrawn my child and they refuse to withdraw them from the public school. And I've been served with a truancy notification and I'm told to appear in court next week. Can, can you help? And, you know, we, we deal with those more often than, than people might think. We also have a team of educational consultants that families can reach out to. These are early elementary consultants, special needs consultants. Uh, high school can be particularly daunting, Dean, for, for a new homeschooling family. Yep. So how do I create a four-year transcript? Can I actually write my own diploma for my kid? And will it be accepted at college? All of those types of questions, we get them regularly. We're, we're delighted to answer them. And, uh, you know, we are an advocacy organization. So we work with legislators around the states and uh, we're engaged. In fact, I was texting with a a representative from one of my states just over the weekend about a couple of bills that are pending regarding neglect. And so we're very active legislatively and always pushing back against bad legislation and trying to advance and support good legislation for homeschooling parents. So I would say our our legal support is wonderful. We have our great team of consultants and we're very active legislatively and with regulations to try to make it always more free and easier for any particular homeschool family. Mm, That is so huge. And we are grateful for the organization. Yeah, thank you. Here in Michigan, we we enjoy the, the freedom to homeschool. And I know of a few years ago, there was a push to maybe restrict a little bit of that freedom. Yep, sure was. And I don't know if you guys were involved in in saving the day there. Maybe you were, were you? Well, I, I know that I know the individual who was responsible for Michigan at the time. And yeah, we were very engaged in pushing back against those regulations. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of sad, Dean, but we do it every year. I mean, every year we face, I, you know, I would say anti-homeschooling families, people that only believe that the children belong to the state, that they should be in the public schools. And that your right as a parent should be curtailed. And so we are very, very vigilant in Michigan and elsewhere to always be on the lookout for those types of viewpoints and attitudes and to push back as hard and as quickly as we can. So, yeah, it's it, it's a threat. You know, what we say is the price for freedom is eternal, eternal vigilance. Mm-hmm. So we don't ever stop watching. Don't ever stop paying attention to what's going on. And it's, it's, it's very critical. Well, we appreciate that attitude. We, we like to say around here that we have to keep our, our head on a swivel. Always looking, yeah. always alert. Amen. Yes. Well, um, real quick, uh, you, you, as we were talking uh, before we came on the air, it sounds to me like you guys are global. Can you um, speak to that? I can. I'd love to. In fact, I run HSLD International, which is our global branch. And, you know, what I'll say is, you know, if you would have asked most states 40 years ago whether homeschooling was legal or illegal, the overwhelming majority of states would have said it's illegal in my state. And the sad reality is that is the attitude of most countries around the world. It's very hard in Germany. There was a really restrictive law in France. UK wants a homeschool registry. South Africa is going the wrong direction. It's, you know, families are fine daily in Brazil. And so we do use, you know, when a family joins and becomes a member, 
when the when somebody donates to HSLDA because they appreciate our work, a portion of that funds goes towards not just expanding it in the United States, but trying to work the cause of parental rights and freedom of education around the world. And, you know, since I've started this work team, what I can say is we are incredibly blessed in this country. The level of freedom with all the problems that we know that we have as Americans, the level of freedom that we enjoy on so many levels to include the right and freedom to homeschool is unparalleled across the world. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to, I would love in my tenure here to do whatever I can to know that a family in Croatia, in Germany, in France, in the UK, in Poland, in Bolivia, 10 years from now, that their freedoms are greater than they are right now. So that's what we do across the world is try to advance home education. What a mission. That is awesome. It is. Yeah, I, I love it. In fact, I, I think I was telling you, I just got back from Croatia last night, you know, 14 from 14 different countries, had 80 people from 14 countries gather together to discuss, to celebrate, to work through challenges mm -hmm. and to just provide incredible encouragement and hope for one another. So it's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful mission. Uh, check it out on our site. I think folks will get engaged. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking. I, I just I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do. Well, uh, I'm happy to ask America Out Loud Talk Radio is heard globally. And so, uh, you know, we, we may have listeners that are out there that may be in need of your services. Well, if, if they do, I mean, tell them to reach out. I mean, you can always, you can email, you can find us online, but if you just email international at hslda.org, that'll come to our organizational box. My, my uh, assistant and I will check that. And yeah, if you're across the world hearing this and you've got an interest in home education in the country you're living in, please reach out. There's, there's, there's much work to be done, shall we say. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I know I've said one more question at least three or four times, but I promise this is my last one. You you mentioned uh, if if people want to donate, so uh, can they donate? Uh, I guess would you mind explaining how we go about doing that? Yeah, so you know we've got kind of a two part. You know we've got about hundred thousand members in the United States. So to join as a member, you get access to all of our services, our legal departments, our consultants. Um, a lot of people will will join as members when their kids are, are homeschool age and they'll stay members because they want to continue to support the cause. Um, but if you just go to HSLDA.org because you want we have a we call it a freedom fund. And it's just a fund that we use if someone says, hey, you know what? I don't have any reason to be a member, but I want to give some money because I believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly believe in it. I think it's a worthwhile cause. And so if you go to our website, um, I don't. I don't really actually know the how easy it is to donate. I know that it's easy, but I don't know the direct side. I guess I'm not in that. I'm not in that right. country. But maybe it's hlda.org/slash/donate or something. All right. Uh, but uh, yeah. But if you go to the website, you'll find a way to do it. And uh, I can tell you, as someone who works here, that it's money. It's money very well spent, and uh, we're very fiscally responsible. And uh, we want to use every dollar that comes in. I, I personally realize every dollar that comes in that I spend was given to me by somebody else. Mm. They, they sacrificed a dollar from their from their pocketbook, gave it to us, and I have a responsibility to use that dollar in the best way that I possibly can. Mm. And I know that our whole organization feels that way. So, yeah, well, there you go. That well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate it, and that's a beautiful philosophy to live by and run an organization by. Absolutely. Uh, the the email address is hslda.org. Uh, follow them. You know, look them up, support the Romica family. Kevin, we're so grateful for your time. Thank you for explaining a little bit about the situation and 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 telling us a little bit about Homeschool Legal Defense Association. 
Thanks so much, Dean. I look forward to chatting at some point in the future. Thanks so much. Excellent. Me too. All right. We will pause for this break. You are listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot on americaoutloud.news. Or, of course, all shows go to podcast the next day. If you want to listen to us live and on the go, download the app for your Apple, your your Android, Alexa, uh, the America Out Loud Talk app. And uh, you can you can catch us at 2 p.m. or catch all the other uh, great shows that air here on the uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. We're happy to have you on board, and we hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Kevin Bowden. He is uh, the attorney with Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and he has been defending the Romica family really since day one. Uh, their um, their website, if you if you go to hslda.org backslash Romica, and that is spelled Rome Ike, R-O-M-E-I-K-E, and then you can uh, you can get all the information, you know, everything the family has gone through, and um, you can follow them. You can you can support them. You can sign the petition to to keep them in the country. You can contact your your local officials, your um, your state representatives to sign off on the bill HR five four two three, which is really a personal bill that, uh, if passed, would would keep the family in the country. Would you know would make them citizens. And also, you can uh, financially support HSLDA. The Romaicas fled to America for homeschool freedom. Now their freedom is being threatened. That's the uh, that's the headline there on their on their website. 
And I said earlier that we are the freest country on the planet, but even being the freest country on the planet, freedom is under threat. It's really under threat all over the world. And I did not realize this until my conversation with Kevin that HSLDA was so involved globally that they are an organization that is really pursuing home education freedom all over the world. What an important mission to be on. Uh, but, you know, we we know that freedom is under assault everywhere on the globe, and it's under assault here. And it, it requires us to be engaged. It requires us to be to be involved. As I said, our heads have to be on a swivel. We have to be looking around. We have to be paying attention. We have to be constantly fighting for freedom. And in doing that, I'll just, I'll probably keep repeating this until I don't know when, you know, until the cows come home, I guess. I don't even know what that means. When are the cows coming home? I I don't know, but we're going to keep repeating this, that, that we have to share our values until the cows come home. We have to verbalize our values. We have talked about, you know, one of the ways to do that is to is to run for uh, run for office, do something in your local community, run for us uh, office. I'm I'm holding this document here that is entitled School Board Election Landscape, and. This November, there are elections coming up. I know it's an off year, but there in some states, there are elections. Matter of fact, the school board seats that are up for election this November, this I was shocked when I saw this amount. 24,226 school board seats that are up this November. That, that means there are 24,226 opportunities for us to change our communities. Because once we start you know, getting involved on the school board level, then we are affecting change in the community. Because at the school board level, what, what does the school board even do? I've got this other document here. This is put out by My Faith Votes. Matter of fact, maybe I'll link this in the, in the show notes. It's called Superintendents and School Boards, Understanding Their Roles and Responsibilities. Let me just pull up the school board. You may not even know what they do. I mean, we know that they're in charge of the school, but what does that entail? Uh, It entails five categories, policymaking, acting as a voice, approving budget, supervising, and having the final say. School boards have the final say. Let's look at policymaking. What kind of policy do they make? Crafting, reviewing, and implementing district policies that govern various aspects of education, including curriculum, which is huge. Now, wouldn't you like to be on a board that creates policy that encompasses curriculum within your school district? Hmm? I mean, that is, talk about having influence. If you have a voice in the curriculum and if you have a voice in what is being taught to the young minds within your school district, that is that is a voice of influence. Run for school board. There are, this November, there are 24,226 opportunities to 
be a voice of influence in the curriculum that is used in your school district? What other policies? Discipline. They're involved in the policy making of discipline, resource allocation, adopting the annual school calendar. Now, that's a biggie. You know, we were talking a couple of days ago uh, about the topic sex on the calendar and how school calendars are beginning more and more to incorporate, um, you know, days that uh, promote gender confusion. Matter of fact, the month of October is uh, what I think it's transgender month or I don't know. November is maybe transgender. I know October was a month, the whole month long, and November is its own month. And then one of the other months, uh, it, you know, so you're as a school board member, you're adopting the annual school calendar. You have control of what goes on that calendar. You would have control if November would be classified as transgender month on your school district's calendar. Now, that is a voice of influence that carries a lot of weight. Wouldn't you like to be that voice of influence carrying that weight? Well, this November, there are 24,226 opportunities for conservative voices in the country to be voices of influence. That's a big deal. What else does the school board do? Uh, they act as a voice. Elected or appointed school board members serve to represent the voice of local constituents. They are to ensure the interests and concerns of parents and the community, uh, and they, uh, uh, they're considered the decision makers. You know, but they are the voice of, of the community. And this is why, you know, my interview with Tim Cross yesterday, this is why he ran, because he felt like he didn't have a voice. He felt like that school board was ignoring his voice and the voice of the other members of the community that shared his values. And so they said, we're going to run because we want our voices heard. So the school board acts as the voice of the community. Number three, they approve budgets. School boards evaluate financial proposals, determine resource allocations, evaluate grants, make funding decisions to ensure that the district's goals are supported, and approve the final budget. Well, what are the district's goals? As a school board member, you're involved in overseeing what those goals are. Oh, that's a voice of influence right there. Imagine, just imagine the lives that you could affect just by serving on a school board and having a voice of influence within the policies inside that school district. Supervising. The role between the school board and superintendent can vary by state, but generally the school board grants the superintendent legal authority to implement the board's policies and run the day-to-day -day operations of the district. Well, uh, the important statement there in that sentence is the school board grants the superintendent legal authority to implement the school board's policies. It's not the superintendent's policies. It's the school board's policies. It's not the superintendent's goals. It's the school board's goals for the district. What does the, you know, what is the school board laying out? What direction, what path do they want the educational community to go in? It's their call. And it's an important position to hold. Uh, most school boards set performance expectations. 
assess progress and make decisions regarding the superintendent's employment. So, you know, he's got to, he's got to play by the, by the school board's rules. He's got to shoot for the goals that the school board has established. And having the final say, school board members establish the vision for the district and carry the responsibility to monitor academic progress, monitor student outcomes, and monitor compliance with policies, ensuring that the district operates effectively and efficiently. I can't think of a better position to be in, a better position of influence uh, within your community than being on a school board. Um, I, I just, it, it, and as I said, this November, now it's it's probably too late for you to throw your your name in the hat for this November, just a couple of weeks away. But there are 24,226 opportunities to affect change within your community. These seats span across eight over 8,000 school districts in 38 states. The districts represent 1.2 million people, a little over a third of the country. Oh, unbelievable. The story is similar for 2024. There's another 21,144 school board seats up for election. All right, so now's, now's your time to put some thought to it. Next November. This November, it's probably too late for you to run. Probably too late for you to throw your, your, your name in the hat. But that's okay, because you can put some thought to it. You can put some campaign strategy behind your objective, and you can shoot for next November. 21,144 school board seats are up for election next November. In addition, there are hundreds of local school superintendents, auditors, treasurers, clerk and moderator positions up for election. Nearly a quarter of all elections over the next two years will take place at the school board level. As an even year election looms, it's the perfect time to use increased election awareness to recruit mobilize and increase turnout at the local level. So if you've ever wanted to voice your values, and that's what we're talking about ultimately, voicing our values, making sure our values are heard, seriously consider running for a school board position. Um, and next, I mean, next November, it's, um, well, this November in 2023, uh, priority states, uh, the stakes are especially high in states like Texas, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. Each state has from 1,800 to 3,100 positions up for election. Wow. Additional states with high percentages of school board elections are Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Ohio, New York, and New Jersey, each with a minimum of 1,000 seats up for election. Next November, 2024. The uh, the high stake states are California, Texas, Missouri, Michigan, New York, and New Jersey. Each state has from 1,000 to 2,500 school board positions that are coming up for election. Uh, this is the time, my friends. This is this is the time that that we need to uh, we just need to dive into it. We our voices. Our voices need to be heard, and I can't think of a better 
a better position and a better way to make your voice heard than to run for your local school board. Consider it. Maybe you don't want to run. You know, maybe you're not the the one who wants to to be out there and, you know, be on the front line in this regard. Well, you know, find those school board members that share your values and support them. How do we go about finding our, you know, which school board members share our values? Well, you know, at this point, you could actually go to a school board meeting and you could ask some questions. Uh, you know, it's when when people run for school board, it's difficult to really get a hold of their views. A lot of these communities, though, have local newspapers and they'll they'll run, you know, an, an expose on the on the school board candidates and you can kind of get their views. But they may not always ask the questions that you want asked. You may need to get a hold of these individuals. And you may need to ask the questions, you know, or at least visit your, at least attend a school board meeting and and start asking them questions. Uh, and there's some categories you can ask, you know, what's their, they, you can ask them about their personal information and values. Um, you know, you, you can ask them, you know, what what's the core life value that guides their decision making? Um. What do you feel are essential attributes for a school board member? What particular issue motivates you to want to serve on the school board? These are good questions. Uh, you need to ask them questions in terms of, of their understanding of the actual education system. I mean, how much do they understand it? Uh, you know, uh, how do they feel about the average per pupil spending in the district, for example? Do they know what it is? If, if you have a school board member who does not know what the average per pupil spending in the district is, that's problematic. Um, you know, I've got a whole host of questions and I will, I will post this document. It's called Avoiding the Wrong School Board Members. Find the school board members uh, that support your values and support them. You may not want to run. But find out who is running or who's sitting on the board that shares your values and let's support them. You know, freedom isn't free. And uh, as Americans, it's something that we have to continually fight for. We continually have to be on alert. We have to be paying attention. We have to know what's going on, Go going on in the world, going on in the nation, the state, our local communities. Because we got to go after it, my friends. We have got to go after it. All right, we're running out of time, but I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being on the Dean's List. Invite your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.